0: Hi everybody, welcome to a new week, new edition of the Houston Sports Weekly uh, Podcast, our weekly podcast on KPRC2+. Click to Houston.com. We are approaching one year of these weekly podcasts talking all things H-Town sports. We have had a great time doing that each and every week. We've really appreciated the loyal following, the growth of the podcast as well uh, there's been plenty of to talk about in Houston sports scene. Never a dull moment around here, right? Um, right now, we're we're talking a lot about the uh, Texans, of course, getting ready for rookie camp and, uh, you know, the, the new era with D'Amico Ryans and everything exciting about that on the heels of the NFL draft where they have a nine-person class. Uh, hey, segment two today, we're going to check in with uh, Ari Alexander. He will talk uh, some Texans as well and uh, go through some of this rookie class and get you ready for the start of the first rookie minicamp that begins uh, today, this morning, in fact. If you're listening or watching this on Friday... Uh, the rookie minicamp opens later this morning and it will run through Saturday and uh, I'm not sure about Sunday, but then uh, it's going to segue into OTA workouts and of course into the mandatory mini camp in the middle of June before they break for about six or seven weeks and then it is go time in late July with training camp. But this first segment, uh, we're going to talk some Astros and we'll show you a, a little bit of the conversation we had in studio Sunday night talking Astros. With uh, Sports Talk 790's Adam Wexler. We'll have that here in just a moment. But just to set the table now, the, te- the Astros, fresh off that series, win in Anaheim over the Angels. That was a really big series to kind of get back on track, get that mojo back. Uh, they won game two after losing the opener. They should have won all three. It didn't work out that way. But they bounced back in game two and beat Shohei Otani in that battle between Otani and Framber Valdez. Valdez was spectacular, striking out 12, but they beat the previously undefeated Otani, who came in 4-0, and uh, they took care of business. Some our team out out Toronto, a home run. Uh, that was just that's from a mindset standpoint. That that those kind of wins are big for a team like the Astros that are hovering around that 500 mark as they're dealing with injuries and waiting on guys to come back. Uh, now they take that momentum to chicago they'll open a series coming up uh, tonight against the white Sox. Uh, running through the starting pitchers tonight uh, they're at guaranteed rate field it will be jp france making his second start and michael Kopic will uh, get the start for chicago he's one and three with a 597 era and uh, jp france five innings in his debut last week Uh, Let's see if he can do more of that. He made his debut against the Seattle Mariners. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that in this conversation about the injuries, how they're dealing with the injuries. Uh, The good news, at least as of now, knock on wood here, with Jose Altuve getting him back in the big league roster. But it's going to start with that next step. That's doing rehab games there in Seattle sugarland so right now let's listen in to the conversation with myself ari alexander chancellor johnson and sports talk 790s adam wexler Sir Wex, good to see you man great to be here we just kind of went through the the whole laundry list of injuries and all the updates let's guys let's start with the news on luis garcia and now that we know it's tommy john how big of a blow is this right now to get this news out of that, after that elbow situation.
1: I mean, it's always, how does the next guy do? And maybe you found out this weekend, if that guy is JP France, maybe you're in a little bit better situation. It is just one star, but it's devastating for Luis. Uh, they had such good health last year. Obviously it was really just Lance McCullers. Then when he came back, they were good to go. They had a surplus last year. They're obviously at a deficit this year. This is, it, it can be devastating and they definitely are not deep. And they definitely did not address this in the offseason with any additional starting pitching. So it's almost, If France is great, then you're okay, but if he's not, well, you don't really have many other options.
2: One of my yeah. biggest concerns heading to the season, we talked about earlier on, on Sports Sunday, was you know, can this Houston Nationals team stay healthy? And obviously, we saw that before the season even started with Jose Altuve getting hurt, and then obviously they're missing Michael Brownley as well, too. Yeah. And so now you're missing Luis Garcia hurting your rotation. And so it is that next man up mentality. And, uh, you know, with Dusty Baker and Dan Brown, will have to fill out, figure out who can step up in his place.
0: Yeah, you, so you got uh, Garcia out already. Now you got Arquiti, It's uh, going to be out according to to Dana Brown today in Seattle he's thinking maybe around the all-star break
3: yeah I think Wex is uh, saying a nice way of what I want to say which this is a disaster you had to address this in the offseason you need to go in seven eight major league level starting pitchers and they didn't do that they had six really good guys and then after that you Mm kind of don't know what you have you have Bielak you have J.P. France just made his debut and he looked good but if you're relying on J.P. France for a championship team, and no offense to JP France, that's not good. That, that means go. yeah. you didn't build your team the right way. Urquidy's down. We don't know how quickly uh, McCullers is going to be able to ramp up. Garcia's out for the year. 40% of your starts for the foreseeable future, unless they make a trade, are Brandon Belak and JP France.
0: Well, we'll see if they stick with that, uh, <laughs> those options right there. Hey, how about McCullers now? What, what are y'all's thoughts? Uh, you know, we were talking walking in here tonight. You know, he's he's making some progress now with his uh, rehab, had a full bullpen, a full bullpen session in Seattle for the first time since February. I still you, you can't rush this guy because we know the history with Lance McCullers. You got to get him healthy again.
1: I think what they're doing is similar to last year. it's Just the timetable is moved up a little bit just from when he went down and the ramp up period. I think they're trying to have the same type of result is whenever he comes back. We're pushing that date back as far as we can to make sure That he doesn't have to go back there are no setbacks there's no slow period of time until he's ready to get major league hitters out and maybe there's a little bit of there's only so many innings we're getting from him this year they push him back we're gonna get him here he's possibly ready for the playoffs as well without being too worn down so I think even he probably thinks they're going slowly as we've Had a chance to see him at the ballpark a couple times, and now with what happened this weekend in Seattle, I think he will be ready when he comes back, and I think he'll look like he did a year ago for those eight starts he had during the regular season.
0: All right, a lot of go ahead.
2: Now, I was going to say, patience is, they say patience is a virtue, and I don't know if there's any more body more patient than Lance McCullough right now, (laughs) getting hurt last year and then working his way back and then having to miss the start of the season, but we talked to him about a couple weeks ago and he said that you know he's aiming towards late May early June potentially to start throwing with the Space Cowboys here really soon.
0: All right so we actually had some good news uh, from Seattle today Dana Brown also talking about Chaz McCormick and and Michael Brantley. Uh, Ari I'll start with you. Looks like they're going to join the club in Anaheim. That's a nice step get these guys back McCormick should be there tomorrow. I think Brantley might be the next day
3: Yeah, and you turn into having tons of outfield depth because Jordan Alvarez obviously can play out there Jake mm-hmm. Myers has been really good this year Which has been a nice surprise after his season last year Chaz McCormick was one of the best hitters on the team for a while before he went down with his injury and obviously Michael Brantley We know what he can do over his career So now you have like Lex was say you have a surplus in the outfield and there's gonna be that roster crunch Who do you send down out of the catchers because yep. I know Dana Brown likes Cesar Cesar Salazar as a backup. How much time are you going to give uh, Yiner Diaz? And I think the guy that might be the odd man out is potentially David Hensley. And then you slot Mauricio Dubon back into that super utility role.
1: You've got three guys on the roster. Salazar is one. Hensley is another. And Ryland Bannon is an Astro. If anybody forgot, he's been on the <laughs> roster for about two weeks. I don't know what they're doing. Salazar has to go. No offense to Salazar. But if you're never, ever, ever ever going to pinch hit for Martin Maldonado, then you never, ever, ever need a third catcher. I don't know what they're doing with that. It makes no sense. Your bench is going to get a whole lot better yeah.
0: when McCormick and Brantley get back. All right, so we're, we're still very early in this season, guys. We're looking right now at the, at the division. Nobody's going to run away with this right now, and it might be that type of year where it goes through the summer, and it, long the days might be over of the Astros winning by 12 or 13 games. But is there any kind of panic meter going on right now about what we've seen so far? where this team is because they're kind of hovering right around 500 despite all the setbacks
3: over on a big picture not necessarily I wouldn't panic about the division or the Rangers or the Angels and Mariners whatever I would panic about the rotation over the next month or two because the market has not matured for a trade yet the guys that you need now to fill that rotation they're not available until July and so you're going to have to survive for a month with a lot of pitchers that you're not necessarily wanting those innings from them and against big time major league hitters. Brandon Bielak went out today, gave up 10 hits in four and two thirds. You can't have that if you have championship aspirations.
2: I wouldn't hit the panic button yet, especially not until they get Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley back and we see how they look in the lineup. But um, obviously the injuries is a cause for concern. Their depth in their starting rotation is a cause for concern. But I think, you know, once those guys get back, we'll get to see a full picture of this Astros team.
1: Yeah, while this division is clearly much, much better, if we forget Oakland's in the division, nobody's going to run away with it. Uh, The team the Astros played this weekend, Seattle, is the only one that I think has a chance to really put something together and maybe make it hard for the Astros uh, to catch them. And what Ari's talking about spills over into the three guys that aren't hurt. You've got to be careful with Javier and uh, obviously for Amber Valdez and Hunter Hunter Brown. Brown. You can't expect them to give you seven plus every single time out there. And this is the strain of that pressure. You got to make sure you're you're concerned about that. And they probably wanted Hunter Brown on some kind of an innings limit Mm -hmm. as a rookie. So all these things are concerns with other guys down. All
0: right, right, great conversation there. Appreciate Wex uh, hanging out with us on sports Sunday, Sunday night. Again, a lot of questions or Looks like all-star break if things go as they hope they will go. Luis Garcia out for the year. Elbow Tommy John surgery. Still waiting on an update on Lance McCullers. Seems to be making progress. But the big news this past week, Michael Brantley, uh, that you may not have heard in that piece, Michael Brantley actually sent back to Houston on the verge of being called up and activated in Anaheim. Didn't happen. Back to Houston to get that sore, sore, sore shoulder checked out. Let's hope it's not a setback. But when you you get reevaluated and you need to go back to get things checked out again, that's usually not a good sign. Let's hope it's just that and he can rejoin the Astros perhaps in Chicago. So that's the latest. Astros hanging in there 19-18 and 18, as they enter the series tonight against the Chicago White Sox. Then they return home, face the Cubs and then the Oakland A's. So the White Sox, Cubs, and A's, very winnable series. They can really get something going here if they lock in and stay focused and get a little winning streak going and get some separation away from 500. All right, we're going to take a break on Houston Sports Weekly. That's the Astros talk. Coming up, we're going to talk Texans. I'll hand the baton over to KPRC2 Sports' Ari Alexander when we come back on Houston Sports Weekly.
3: Welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly. I'm Ari Alexander. We will be talking about the Texans and the Rockets, all sorts of other goings on uh, here in the city of Houston. Uh, Randy, with some of the Astros talk, what's going on with uh, 500-level team right now, hoping to defend that World Series championship, but lots of injuries going on with the Astros. Of course, the Texans and Rockets trying to uh, get to a spot like where the Astros are and we're going to start with the Texans who are coming off a draft that many have believed is impressive and then many uh, outside of Houston for the most part are criticizing for how much they traded up for Will Anderson but coming on Friday you will go to rookie minicamp we'll see these guys in Texans practice uniforms up close find out their numbers find out uh, what they look like on a field that is an NFL practice field. Of course, we're not going to know a whole lot about how much these guys can bring until fall camp, until uh, we see them actually in scrimmages or even in the preseason games playing against real competition. But this is just uh, kind of a quick look at, at what they are. But in terms of what the Texans did in the draft, they filled a whole bunch of positions in need. And when you're looking at this team, you knew that there were a whole bunch of areas that they needed help. Obviously, quarterback was the big one, and you go and you get C.J. Stroud, who was a star at Ohio State, at two. You need more pass rushing, they go and get Will Anderson. You need a center, because otherwise, Paul Questenberry is your starting center, and they go and get Juice Scruggs in the third round, a guy who we'll see, you know. Uh, You can find centers in the mid-rounds of the draft and be useful. Uh, I know a lot of offensive linemen, coming out, uh, the, you know, top rounds, but there's a lot of those guys that are found in the mid third, fourth, fifth round that turned out to be good players. The Texans, even, uh, in not just offensive linemen, but interior have a history of just randomly finding these guys. Charles Menehu before he left was like a fifth, sixth round pick. He was a pretty good player for a little bit. DJ reader got this massive contract. And I know he's had some injuries since he's got the big deal and gone to the Bengals, but he was a late round pick. And so there are Good players to be found in these later rounds, and you hope Juice Scruggs, the center out of Penn State, can come in, fill in immediately, um, because a lot of these draft pick linemen past the first round that the Texans have had uh, have not worked out, especially on the interior. They got Titus Howard as a first-round pick in 2019, and he's bounced between guard and tackle, and he's now, it feels like, solidified himself as a pretty solid right tackle in the NFL uh, on the other side of Laramie Tunsil is one of the better left tackles. So okay, bookends you are good, right? And then now you need those interiors. Today, uh, being Wednesday, as we're as I'm recording this, Shaq Mason has signed an extension, a three-year, thirty-six million dollar extension, uh, according to KPRC two Texans Insider Aaron Wilson. Uh, Mason will be the Texans on the. It will be a guard for the Texans for the next few years. So all right, you solidified. Another position of a guy who is a starter on Patriots Super Bowl teams. You have Kenyon Green, who didn't look great his rookie year, and he's now going into year two, and he needs to solidify another one of those guard spots. And he was a first round pick, so you hope that the talent level is there that Kenyon Green can year two improve from year one. It's something we saw with Titus Howard, where in 2020 he was better than 2019. 2021 he was even better player and then this past season he was a very solid right tackle for the Texans and so is Kenyon Green going to be a one-year project probably not you uh you got to figure out are you going to extend him a fifth-year option uh and a season or two here you got to figure out is this guy uh for real and the Texans hope to find out because if he is you've now set four of your five linemen as solid at worst. You have one of the best left tackles in the league to protect C.J. Stroud in Laramie Tunsil. You have a, a above-average, I would call, Titus Howard right tackle. You have a above-average, I would call, guard in Shaq Mason. And all you need from Kenyon Green is to be average to above-average, and, and you are solidified at four positions, and then you find out what you can do at center. Maybe you make a trade for some more draft capital. Maybe Juice Scruggs is the guy. Maybe your scouting department came in and did the right thing and found, hey, this guy can do it. This guy can step up. Maybe you give Kessenberry the first uh, the first four or five games, and then Juice Scruggs takes over. Uh, or they find and sign someone else. Receiver is another spot that the Texans um, have to completely commit to overhauling that room, and they have to some degree with uh, Robert Woods I don't know if Robert Woods is good enough to be a wide receiver one. That's a concern I have for C.J. Stroud coming in and seeing that this is receiver room, that Nico Collins has been okay, had flashes, not necessarily super consistent. Robert Woods is your your wide receiver one. And then you have Tank Dell, who as enamored, I think, as many of us are by what we see on film and what we see in camps and just when you look at him like we were at his workout – and he looks quick and sudden, and the burst is there. And you can see why he led the nation in yards and touchdown catches. But he's a rookie, and there, there's a chance that it takes him a while to adjust to the NFL. You hope that it doesn't take that long, but there's a chance it takes him a while to adjust. Um, then you have uh, Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State by way of Blinn. Who was really good at Iowa State, but he's a sixth-round pick. So why is it the testing numbers? Because he's a pretty big receiver, right? Is it his film that's not as impressive as a five-foot-eight Tank Dell, and he's getting picked three rounds later than a smaller guy, uh, and he's playing Big Twelve competition, and Tank is playing in the American. So you you look at that and, and almost think what's wrong with Xavier Hutchinson. But then at the same time, the scouts could have seen something other scouts haven't, and he could be a really good player. He's a guy I'm excited about. But you do have questions as to why was this guy a sixth-round pick. But I think that with those four, and I know the Texans have some other, uh, other additions. I'm going to have to glance through and try to remember. There's Amari Rogers, a few other guys. Uh, the tight end that they signed, that's one really impressive signing um, that I thought was good, was Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is a starter for the Cowboys last year. Dalton Schultz is a good player. He's a good tight end. And he's going to be the Texans starting tight end, and I think he's a guy that C.J. Stroud is going to rely on a lot early in the season as he starts to develop that chemistry with Robert Woods, with Tank Dell, with Nico Collins, and some of the other receivers that they have. Um, But I think Dalton Schultz is, day one, going to be a guy who can come in and and get targets. So for all the fantasy people out there, go after Dalton Schultz, man. There is nobody better for a rookie quarterback – than a solid pass catching tight end. And that's exactly uh, what Dalton Schultz is. Uh, he's a guy that uh, that I'm looking at to come in and, and be very productive for the Texans early on. And then on the defensive end, Jimmy Ward talked last week, the press conference uh, he had. And first of all, Jimmy is incredibly personable. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to be one of the leaders on that defense. He's going to start at safety next to Jalen Petrie. And that is a good tandem. Petrie, you know, has some things he needs to clean up just young type of plays, but he brings it, he gets interceptions, he gets a lot of tackles. He's a guy that can be a really good starter in this league, I think Pro Bowl caliber eventually. And then you have Jimmy Ward, who has just been a solid veteran, just a good player. He's a guy who can lay it a little bit too, Uh, and that's, I think, a guy that's going to be really good for Petrie to learn from. It's been a little bit different because he's been working with Jonathan Owens a lot who is currently a free agent, uh, recently married. Congratulations, Jonathan and Simone Biles. And Jonathan is just kind of a different guy. Uh, And not a knock on him, but he's a guy that is on a roster because he does everything right in the locker room and everything right on the practice field. He's a special teams guy. He does as best as he can on defense for his size, He's an undrafted guy out of a small college, and he came in and, and was a really solid addition to the Texans' defense last year. Jimmy Ward is a little bit of a different beast. Jimmy Ward was a you know higher-round pick. He's been a longtime starter for a lot of really good defenses, and uh, for Petrie to go from, it's a different type of guy you're learning from, right? Owens is the perfect guy to learn from if you want to learn how to do everything right on the practice field, how to, to know what you're doing on the field, Because he's a guy that has had to just fight and grind so much for his opportunity, and he earned it. He earned the opportunity to be an NFL starter, and that takes a lot more than physical ability. And it's something that you got to applaud Jonathan Owens for. On the other side, Jimmy Ward is coming off of defenses that have been near the top of the league every year. He knows D'Amico's scheme. That's another thing is is who do you want teaching you the ins and outs of D'Amico Ryan's defense, the guy who's been in it or the, the, just the Niners, what they've done with Robert Sala and just over the years of having a solid defense for years. And so I think Jimmy Ward is going to be the perfect teacher for a Derek Stingley Jr., for a Jalen Petrie. And then you have uh, other cornerbacks, Steven Nelson and Desmond King, who are good back end. I think the Texans are pretty solid. And then you look at the rest of the defense with Will Anderson joining Jonathan Grenard and Jerry Hughes. It's not bad. Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins up the middle with Roy Lopez backing those guys up. On paper, not that bad. You look at the linebackers, Christian Harris, Denzel Perryman, they just signed. Um, There are going to be some other guys that are going to have a chance to earn a spot. I think that's one where they're a little bit weaker than some of the other sections on defense, Um, but you're looking at their team as a whole, and I think that this, you know, second worst odds to the Super Bowl. Like, sure. Are they going to go to the Super Bowl? No. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. Do I think that they're going to be far more competitive than people are giving them credit or that the odds makers are giving them credit? Yes. And I think part of that is because you look at the rest of the, um, the rest of the division. They play six games against three teams who just are not significantly better than them. The Jaguars have a lot of talent. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's taken uh, taking a step. You can split those games. I think they're beatable. You can beat the Jaguars one out of two. You can win that home game. The Colts, almost the same spot. The Texans are in rookie quarterback, and their roster is a lot worse than I think people think it is because they are removed from uh, from you know some good years recently, and they collapsed last year. Not all of that was Matt Ryan or not all of that was Shaquille Leonard missing. A lot of that was a deep top-to-bottom. They're not that good. The Titans have totally collapsed. I know Derrick Henry runs all over the Texans every year, but Ryan Tannehill has turned out to not be you know, that guy. And they lost A.J. Brown, and their receiving core might be the worst in the league. And again, top to bottom, you look at the roster, they were solid. Mike Vrabel had built this team up to be a solid, underrated, top-to-bottom roster-type team. They're not that anymore. They're not that good. So I think the Texans have a chance. And you got to keep in mind, they won. They went three, two and one last year against the division. And I think they're a little better this year. So could you go four and two? Yeah. And then to have a chance to uh maybe make the playoffs last year or this year at nine and eight. Last year nine and eight did it. You go five and six. Do we think the Texans can go five and six against the rest of their schedule? Maybe. Probably not. But four and seven seems do like you're you're basically right back in the day when college football used to play eleven games and Wake Forest would go four and seven every year. You're you're expecting the Texans to be awake for them like Maryland, right? Like those teams are always 4 and 7, 5 and 6. Can you be Maryland against your other 11 opponents and then go 4 and 2? Maybe there's a shot they could be 8 and 9, 9 and 8 and have a chance to compete. And a lot of that I'm saying is on the weakness of the other teams and not necessarily the strength of the Texans. So that's all on the Texans. Going to run through a couple uh quick rockets notes here. Uh, if you read our newsletters, you saw, I talked a little bit about, uh, the rumors of James Harden, the rumors of Jalen Brown, and then, uh, some potential names for assistant coaches for Ime Odoka. So I've talked to some people around the league and again, I want to reiterate, she's kind of the same thing that I wrote in the newsletter is when you talk to anyone around the NBA execs, agents, you know, all these different people, um, around the league, ex players, current players, and just the feeling is that everyone's just like, yeah, he's coming back. And there's no, like, he might be. And, of course, there's kind of the caveat of um, what if he's using the Texans, James Harden, that is, to uh, negotiate a better deal with the Sixers. And the Sixers are on the verge of taking down the Celtics and going to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. There's a chance of that. But, like, everyone you talk to is just like, oh, yeah, he's coming back, like, in a very nonchalant fashion. So we'll see what happens. But it's a hot rumor for a reason because the way that everybody in the league is treating it is – as an inevitability of just like, oh yeah, like just casual inevitability that he's, he's coming back. Uh, in terms of assistant coaches, before we wrap up here, one name I've been hearing that I wrote in the newsletter, uh, Ben Sullivan, he's an assistant with the Celtics. Really interesting background of, uh, he was a guy that knew Eme Odoka from way back in the day. They're both from Portland. And when Odoka was uh, in the Spurs, he suggested Ben Sullivan to be the video coordinator and Popovich and the rest of the, the Spurs brass listened. And that's how he came up. So Odoka was like, he vouched for this guy and said, Hey, I want this guy in the video room. And they said, okay, we trust you. Sure. They put him in the video room and then they've kind of grown together. And uh, when Adoka became head coach of the Celtics last season, he brought Ben Sullivan with him. And so Sullivan is still on staff with the Celtics. The Celtics are obviously very good and uh, there could be money involved. There could be wanting to play a little about, you know, for a little bit more of a contender over your personal relationships. But I will say in the NBA in sports, those close personal relationships matter. Ben Sullivan is a name to watch for one of the uh, the potential guys for um, for the Rockets as an assistant coach. So we'll wrap it up here on Houston Sports Weekly. The back section, as you heard in the front section, Randy talking about the Astros. And so we've got uh, some exciting stuff ahead. Rookie mini camp for the Texans. We've got the Rockets. Uh, we'll see what they do or who they look after with the draft lottery coming up next week. Uh, we'll find out. You're praying, you're praying for Victor, as uh, as Tillman Fertitta was with Frank down in Galveston. Uh, we'll find out if those prayers will be answered. Hope they are. Hope they are. We'll find out what's going on with the Rockets, the Texans, the Astros, and all the other sports here in Houston on Houston Sports Weekly.
0: Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on KPRC Two Plus.